up to me. This is God's word. I believe it. I receive it. And I'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we bless you and thank you for your word this morning. We ask you, Lord God, that you would speak to us clearly. I pray, Lord God, that you would wear me like a glove today. And that, Father, you would be the substance of everything that's said. Help me to walk through the corridors of men's hearts this morning. That, Father, you would, by your spirit, just speak deep beyond what I would say. That each person would leave here having received from you. We promise to give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to uh, Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. Um, I'm really excited about what God did last week. Amen. I tell you. Um, having, uh, having Giving Sunday and having all that was brought in, everything that you did. I mean, I'm so proud myself. I'm proud to be a part of this church. And um, because I know that when people give, that they can expect big things. There is never a time in the Bible where people give in that kind of, that magnitude without big things happening. Uh, uh, You think about Solomon and when they built the temple and everyone brought, they had more than enough and they brought all of this to Solomon. And when they built the temple, the presence of the Lord fell in that place so heavily that the people couldn't even stand up to worship. I'm telling you something, something is going to happen in your life. And today I want to speak about that a little bit. Um... Because uh, our theme this year is possessing the promise. Amen? And the first thing uh, that we, we, we have under that theme, possessing the promise, is dream. Somebody say dream. dream. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about dreaming this morning. Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to read from verses 2. We're going to read down. Verse 2. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. You like those names? (laughs) Those were his father's wives. Uh, Billy and Zilly. All right? So (laughs) Bilhah and Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers who hated him. And then they hated him even more. Now Joseph is a little stupid at this point. All right. Seriously. If you know people hate you. All right, let's, let's look at Look at this. I mean, listen, listen to this. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. I mean, come on. He's begging his haters to listen to him. Listen to this. There, were, there we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Like, think about that. Like, why would you tell... I don't even understand. Anyway, but he continues. He says, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you have indeed dominion over us? So they hated him even the more for his dreams and for his what? Come on. And for his what? 
This is very important. I want you to remember this. That he hated them. They hated him for his dreams and for his words. All right, jump down to verse 13. Verse 13 says this. Uh, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Verse 17. And a man said, they have departed from here, and I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Today I want to talk to you about, look, the dreamer is coming. Touch the person beside you and say, you're sitting beside a dreamer. You see, Joseph, Joseph's brothers hated him. Uh, think about this. He was a brat. All right. Honestly, let's, let's, let's be, Joseph was a little brat. Amen. Um, he would tell on his brothers. Okay. And then he would show off on his brothers about his coat and he would show off about his dreams. I mean, as much as they hated him, because think about, uh, big brothers and little brothers, as much as they hated him, nothing threatened them until he had a dream. Is it, it's okay when, when people hate you, it's one thing. But when you get a dream, then you become a threat. And the problem with dreams is that dreams are the seeds to destiny. They are the, the seeds that birth in you greatness. That if you have no dream, you have no threat. You are no threat to the enemy without a dream. Are you with me? So this morning, I want to encourage you because some of you have given up on some dreams. But last week, after sowing what you sowed, I believe the voice from heaven says, your dream is back on track. Are you hearing me, somebody? Because some of you gave a sacrificial offering. And when you give the way you gave last week, I believe God says, now it's time to resurrect that dream. Because there's always, listen, there's always a sacrifice that goes with a dream. Always. Always. Now, there's some things about your dream I just need to tell you. One, your dream needs to be greater than your environment. Uh, Joseph was the 11th son of his father who had four wives. I know what his father was like. Because <laughs> my dad had four as well. So there's a connection there. I understand Joseph. But Joseph was the, was the 11th brother of, or, or the, the 10th brother actually, um, no, the 11th brother of 12 brothers. And the smallest one was a baby, Benjamin. And so here it is, Joseph um, was in the house and everybody else worked in the field. And so Joseph, can you imagine, Joseph was the guy that got, got picked on, he got bullied, he got pushed around, he got the hand-me-downs. He was not going to be the one that would get the birthright. Are you seeing me? Joseph is not in a position or an environment that speaks greatness about him. But he had a dream that was greater than the environment that he found himself. Sometimes we've got to get to the place where our dreams outweigh our environment. You see, God doesn't give you, which, listen, take home statement. God doesn't give you dreams based on origination. He gives you dreams based on destination. 
You know, it doesn't matter where you come from or how you started or the circumstances you find yourself in. The dream that God gives you is real because he knows what he has for you. Are you with me, somebody? Sometimes we feel like we're, we're a place where um, it's impossible, where we're not good enough. You're, you were never good enough. You're never even good enough to be here. If it wasn't for the blood... That's the only thing that qualifies us. And if it qualifies us for heaven, it qualifies us for any destination on earth. Where he wants you to go has nothing to do with where you come from. I want you to turn with me. Hold on to Genesis. We're coming back to Genesis. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God doesn't give dreams based on origination. He gives dreams based on destination. How many of you know that God knows exactly where He wants to take you? How many of you know that God puts in your heart where He wants to take you before you even knew that it was God that was putting it there? The Bible says this, that He grants us the desires of our hearts. Do you know where that desire comes from? It comes from Him. Because He only accomplishes His Word. He never accomplishes anything outside of His Word. So if He does what His Word says, and He says that He'll give you the desires of your heart, then He's put in your heart what He already intended for you to become. That's why some of you, even from you were born, there was something inside of you that you wanted to do and accomplish. And when you became a Christian, it became crystal clear. And it became larger and more bright. Because even before you knew Him, He knew you. He said to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you and I chose you to be a prophet. Before Jeremiah even knew there was a God, God knew who Jeremiah was and He knew His plan. But look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, are you there? Verse 26 says this, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why, why, why? Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, if your dream isn't bigger than you, it's not from God. Uh, you got to hear this. If your dream doesn't intimidate you, it's not from God. If your dream is small enough for you to achieve by yourself, then you have all the right to glory in it and God gets nothing out of it. God doesn't need that dream. God has a dream for you that you can't do by yourself. Are you with me? And so that's why God chose, just God chose some of us and said, Listen man, I know by the time I'm finished with this person, they will know it was all me. They will know it was all me. Listen, if you can accomplish your dream without God, then you've lowered your expectation to your experience. Let me say that again. If you can accomplish your dream without God's help, you've lowered your expectations to your experience. Man, I tell you, we're doing what 
our fathers have done, or we're doing what our cousin has done, or we're doing what someone else has done. In other words, what we've seen, what we've experienced, that's as high as we put our, our expectations. But God says, I want you to raise your expectations above anything you've ever seen before. If your revelation on the inside isn't greater than your situation on the outside, then your present environment will become your future containment. Here's what I used to do. I used to walk in my church. I'm going to say it again. This is a take-home statement. Write it down. If your revelation on the inside isn't greater than your situation on the outside, then your present environment will become your future containment. I used to walk in my church. In the middle of the day, when no one was there, empty seats. There were 175, 85 empty seats. And a small stage that was from uh, that speaker to about here. And um, maybe as deep as the, that, you know, just, just really small. I used to walk in. I used to look at the, the walls and the empty seats. And I used to stand up and I used to say, you're too small for me. I'm bigger than this. You can't hold me. My dream cannot be contained here. I'm telling you. I used to do it. I used to walk in. I used to say, my dream, this, my dream can't, this, this, this is a, this is on my way to my dream, but this is not my dream. I thank God for the small beginnings, but this isn't the end. I, I didn't want to despise what I had, but I wasn't satisfied with where I was. Because my dream was bigger than the environment that I was in. And I wanted to, I said, you know what, God? I want a church that has a thousand people in it. I want to speak to a thousand people. Because there are lives that I need to change that can't be contained within these walls. There's no church in my town back there that had that. God had to move me. <laughs> How many of you know I'm speaking to a thousand people now? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you've got to have a dream that's bigger than the environment that you find yourself in. Don't get stuck. Don't get caught. Joseph decided, hey, my dream was worth it. When I think about what? Me being bowed down to? But that doesn't make sense. But guess what? He spoke it anyway. He said, it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to say it. Number two. Your words must agree with your dreams. Verse 8, back in uh, uh, Genesis 37, verse 8. Then he dreamed, uh, verse 8 says, And his brother said to him, Shall we indeed reign over you? Or shall you have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Listen, it's not enough to have the dream. You've got to share the dream. You've got to speak it. You've got to say it as if it's real. I see Joseph right now. Joseph isn't saying, hey, one day you guys go. Joseph's saying, hey, you remember the, sh- the, the dream with the sheep? <laughs> hey, Reuben, you remember that, that yours was the second one on the right? <laughs> you understand? He said, hey, Judah, guess what, man? That dream was like, man, it was just like, I mean, it was so real to him that it felt real to them. And that was the problem. 
It was so real to him that it felt real to them because he kept saying what he dreamt. He kept speaking his vision. He kept speaking his purpose. He kept speaking his destiny. He kept speaking the things that God has put in his heart. And he didn't back off. He didn't just say, hey man, this looks like it might offend them. Let me just keep quiet. He was speaking what the Lord had already spoken to his heart. Listen, the enemy only believes what you believe about you. Let me walk on this side. Listen, the enemy is only listening to what you say about you. You see, it doesn't matter what Reuben said about Joseph. It doesn't matter what Judah said about Joseph. Ah, look at that little run. Look at that little boy. Look at the little... It doesn't matter what they said about him. What did Joseph say about Joseph? Well, I'm going to rule one day. That's a problem for the enemy right there. The problem that the enemy has is when you start saying something that you believe about you. Because that's all he ever listens to. All right, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. Turn over with me to uh, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Listen, you can't wait until you believe it before you say it. (laughs) You have to start saying it until you believe it. Because you have an enemy who is listening to every word you say. About yourself. He's listening. Uh, last week, Pastor Evan said that uh, we confuse the angels. Remember that? Because they're, li- they're listening to what we're saying. And, and they're like, oh my Lord. You remember that? Okay. Listen. Demons are listening too. Not just angels. Watch this. Watch this. Look at it. Numbers 13, verse 33. Uh, let's back up to 32. This is when uh, um, Moses sent the spies into the land. And they came back with a report. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, The land which we have gone uh, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in what? Our own sight, and so we were in theirs. Whose sight were they grasshoppers first in? Their own. And then the enemy said, oh, you are grasshoppers. You see, the enemy only believes about you what you believe about you. That's why you've got to start saying it even before you believe it. Because revelation comes by word. Hey, when God wants to do something, you know what he does? He sends a word. The Bible says that he sent his word to heal our diseases. All he does is send a word and his word delivers us. His word sets us free. So when you speak a word, your word is what the enemy is going to confound the enemy. Oh man, I'm telling you something. If you see yourself as a grass, turn to John 1. This is going to be awesome. Listen to this. John chapter 1. The enemy is interested in hearing what you have to say about you. John chapter 1, verse 19. What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about your dream? What are you saying about your destiny? What are you saying about where you're going? John chapter 1, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests... And Levi's from Jerusalem to ask him, 
Who are you? Touch the person beside you and say, who are you? There you go. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? The enemy is interested in one thing. What do you say about yourself? Because what you say about yourself is either going to cause destruction to his kingdom or he's going to see you as a puppet. Because without a dream, you are of no threat to the enemy. When you speak the dream, that's when you put the enemy on retreat. That's when problems happen. Because the enemy's camp starts to get crazy now. Because here comes a dreamer. (laughs) Here comes a dreamer. Oh my Lord. You got to stop him. I don't know how to stop him. Because he's a dreamer. But what what happens when you discourage him? He just keeps speaking the dream. But what happens when people turn on him? He just keeps speaking the dream. What what, what are you going to do? You got to... No, guess what? We can't touch him because he's a dreamer. Here comes the what? Dreamer, listen, uh, Walt Disney uh, for, for, for years planned Space Mountain. He planned the roller coaster, he did the whole thing. He sat down, he told the engineers exactly what to do, and he died before it was built. At the, uh, at the, the, um, the inauguration, the dedication of Space Mountain, a young man got up and he said, It's a pity that Mr. Disney is not here to see this mountain. But we're glad that his wife is. Let's welcome his wife. His wife came up to the podium and she says, "Uh, before I say anything, I must correct that young man. Walt already saw this mountain. It is you who are now just seeing it. Your dream has got to be real now before you get there. It's got to be real in you now. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, here's the last thing I want to tell you. Your dream must motivate you to your destiny. Your dream must motivate you to your destiny. <laughs> Listen. Uh, Genesis 37 verse 19 to 20. He says, look, the dreamer is coming. And then they say, Listen, if we kill him, what then shall become of his dreams? Listen. Your dream is the motivator to your destiny. The only reason you're in a fight is because the enemy wants, to give, wants you to give up on your dream. That's the only reason you're in a fight this morning. Are you with me? Yes. You see, if you give up your dream, then you'll abort your destiny. Right. Hmm. But your existence is not a threat if you have no purpose. I used to uh, travel on the bus to school sometimes. And there was a, a, blind, a school for the blind right near where we, our school was. And it had this quotation on the wall. It said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. You see, Joseph dreamed that his brothers would bow down before him. That was his dream. But God's destiny was that he would save his family. Listen, uh, at his age, saving his family was not a motivator. Bowing down before me, that sounds good because I've always been the youngest one. So it's time somebody give me some respect around here. Are you with me? that's, That's a good motivator to get you to the destiny. Because the dream does not always look like the destiny. 
Are, are you with me so far? But you see, dreams are, and visions and prophecies are like vacation ads. Oh, you got to get this now. When you watch a vacation ad about come to Jamaica, and you see the people running in the water, and you see the waterfalls and everybody's smiling, and you hear, don't worry, I can about a thing. You understand? And then every, I mean, you're cold and you're thinking, oh my Lord, man, we need to go to Jamaica. Okay, here's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you that you've got to get to the airport three hours before the flight takes off. And that you've got to take your belt off, your jacket off, your shoes off. And pretty much strip down so you can get on the airplane. They don't tell you that you have a three-hour flight from here to Miami. And when you get to Miami, there's no food. You have to pay for everything on the plane. There's no food. There's no drink. You better eat before you get on the plane. They don't tell you that when you get to Miami, that you have to do it all over again. Okay? And you have to go through that. They don't tell you that when you get to Jamaica, that it's possible that there's no central air in the airport. And that there are fans blowing. And that you're going to be sweating. And the cold weather you just left with all the jackets, you've got to find somewhere to put those jackets. They don't tell you that your flight might be delayed. And that when you get outside, that there may be people harassing you for money and you don't have none. They don't tell you that they drive on a different side of the road and the road is filled with potholes. And that when you get to the hotel, somebody may say to you, Sir, if you leave this property, we cannot guarantee your safety. They don't tell you all that. Why? Because the dream (laughs) is the motivator to the destination. Are you getting what I'm saying? In other words, when God gives you the dream, God doesn't tell you that you're going to have to go over a river and you have to go through some bushes and climb up a rocky side of some mountain and some thorns might juke you. (laughs) In Jamaica, they said juke you. Might stick you and you might have some people who criticize you and your feelings might get hurt and there might be a storm or two on your way to the next mountaintop. God gives you enough to motivate you on the journey because if he told you everything, you wouldn't start. Listen to me, listen to me. Endurance is the price for enjoyment. Whatever God has for you in your destiny, you've got to endure some things in order to enjoy it. That's why the Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Listen, enjoyment is always at the end of endurance, but there's something you've got to endure. But we can't tell you too much about the endurance or it's the joy that's the motivator. So you can't allow your dream to die. Because your dream is the motivator to your destiny. Listen, there are two things that happen on the journey. Number one, you're becoming mature enough to maintain your destination. In other words, it's one thing to attain it. It's another thing to maintain it. And sometimes we've attained a position, but we don't have the maturity or the character to maintain the position. How many of you know it's easier to attain a car than maintain a car? I'm not getting any help over here. So let me try over there. 
How many of you know that it's, it's easier to attain a wife than maintain a wife? I got some help now. I got some help right there. That's why, that's why he can't be satisfied just dreaming here now. No, no, you've got to say, I've got to build my character on the way to my dream and not allow the journey to discourage me from getting to my destination. Do you hear me this morning? Here's the second thing. The second thing that happens on the journey. There comes a point when you no longer, if you keep going, there comes a point when you no longer possess your dream, your dream possesses you. And no matter what comes your way, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter who says what, you're pressing through because you're not, this thing has possessed you. You're not only found something to live for, you found something worth dying for. You've gotten to a place where I've crossed over, it's too late to turn back now. You've gotten past the point of no return and you're saying, God, I don't care what the enemy throws. I'm going through. My brothers are going to bow. I'm going to save them. I'm going to press through no matter what. More important than the dream. More important than where I came from. It's how many lives are at stake when I get there. That's what's important. And today, no matter what you're going through today, why don't you bow your heads with me real quick. No matter what you're going through today, I want to ask you something. How is your dream? How is your dream? How's your dream? No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, I'm here to tell you, God has not given up on your dream. Don't you dare give up on it. Your destiny is too important for you to give up on your dream now. Your purpose is too powerful for you to give up on your dream now. The revelation that God has put inside you is too much for you to allow your circumstances to snuff it out. This morning, why don't you just take 30 seconds and just talk to the Lord this morning about your dream. Recommit yourself to the dream. Ask Him to resurrect life, to blow life into that dream again. Repent if you know you've fallen from holding on to that dream. If you know that you've, you've just given up, just, you just slacked off. You just let it go. Say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't take the maturity that I needed in the journey to do it. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. Get back on that road again. Start pressing towards that dream. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your life, listen, he is the dream giver. 